Now, suffering is unavoidable, isn't it? Uh, it is our unfriendly shadow. Uh, the unfriendly shadow that always follows us around. Uh, it is a constant unwanted visitor who knocks on our doors and announces that's suffering. And when we are suffering, it is easy to be swept away uh, by the sea of discouragement. Our minds are filled with lots of questions, aren't they? Why am I the only one going through this? We ask that. When will it all stop? And of course, the big one. And Lord, where are you when I need you? I wonder, what difficult situation are you currently struggling with this month? And how are you responding to it at the moment? What are you trusting in to get through it? As I, or as I asked her, an atheist yesterday when I was doing evangelism, where do you look for, for hope? Why do you look for for hope? King David, who wrote Psalm 13, also faced many difficult questions in his life. Uh, In Psalm 13, he's in a dark valley. His enemies are threatening to take his life. And as we read this, as we read it, I'm sure you notice that David's mind is full of anguish. He's so much full of anguish that he feels like God, his best friend, has abandoned him, has deserted him. How long, O oh Lord, he cries, how long will you forget me forever? Now, life has not changed since the time of David. We know all about mental turmoil that is feeling him. We know all about situations out of control. We know about people being at war against us, as David was facing. We know about this feeling of alone. Those are just few of the many challenges we face today. And so as we come to Psalm 13, we ask ourselves this question, how did David respond to his problems? And what can we learn from David about how we should respond to problems in our lives? Well, Psalm 13 gives us the answer, doesn't it? So look with me there at Psalm 13. Now, a psalm is what? It is a song, right? Or a poem, right? Uh, this Psalm 13 is part of the Book of Psalms, a collection of 150 songs or poems. The Book of Psalms is actually basically like this. It's a hymn book. It's, it's what they would have had as their hymn book, uh, the people of God. 150 songs they would have had. And they used this 3,000 years ago to sing praises and worship to God since 3,000 years ago. And of course, they carried on. Isn't it? Because even in the time of Christ, they were singing the psalms. In fact, since the psalms were, never, were written, we have, the people of God have never stopped singing them. And that's because the truth that the psalms contain are timeless. They proclaim to us the truth of God. The psalms speak to many issues in our life, don't they? Love and adoration towards God, seen the psalms. Sorrow over sin. You don't know about that? Read the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Trusting God in difficult and dark times. That's in the Psalms. Thanksgiving to God for his constant care. That's in the Psalms. Devotion to the word of God. Psalm 119, isn't it? And of course, ultimately the Psalms are about confidence in the ultimate triumph 
or the reign of God over the world. So those are the Psalms. I just want to take this moment just to encourage you to get to know the Psalms. Now, most of the Psalms, of course, were written by King David, and, in, uh, and including this Psalm 13. This Psalm 13, just look with me there, teaches us, I think, three truths we need to remember when we are suffering. Three truths. <clears throat> the first truth, it is on your outline. The first truth we need to remember when we are suffering is that sometimes we feel God is hidden from us when we are suffering. We need to know that. We need to know that's actually normal. That's the experience of God's people. Sometimes we feel, when we're suffering, that God is hidden from us. King David begins with some with shocking questions for God. Look at me there, verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David is saying to God, Lord, I feel I have been waiting for you to answer me for a long time. How long will I keep waiting? It's not that I doubt you. It's just that I, I really can do with you showing up right now. I really need you. And if I am honest, right now I feel like you have totally deserted me. David feels like God has forgotten him. He's not saying that God has lost his memory. David is a better theologian than us. He knows God never forgets. He is telling God here what he is feeling inside. He feels forsaken by God. And it is crushing his heart. David is dying inside. Just listen to his emotions in verse 2. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. David is saying to God, Lord, my heart is broken. I feel all alone in my heart. I am full of misery in my soul. I feel in a dark place right now. My soul is sick. How long must I take counsel in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all day. Simply put, I'm really depressed right now. Why is David feeling like this? Well, he's feeling like this because he has enemies who are trying to kill him. I've never really had people trying to kill me. But I would imagine that's very frightening. And we know in David's life he was constantly being chased by King Saul and Others, his own son, Absalom, tried to kill him. David was surrounded by enemies. And at this point, which we don't know in his life, he's feeling that there are people who are trying to kill him. But that's not the most difficult thing. The difficult thing is that God, his best friend, has not yet showed up to help him. His shepherd doesn't seem to be present. Let's read on verse 2. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? That's what he's asking. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest I die. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. 
lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David is saying to God, Lord, I have been overrun by my enemies and you're still not showing up. How long am I going to keep waiting for you to help me? Please help me here. You are my God. I trust you. Don't let my enemies come and kill me. Come and save me, David says. I am drowning in darkness. Send your light. Oh, Lord, my God, light up my eyes, he says, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, you and I are not David. You should remember that. We are not David. David is King David, the second king of Israel. But this passage is recorded here for us because David's experience is for our benefit. It is in the Bible to show us what God's people go through. All children of God sometimes experience suffering in life which leaves us feeling like God has forsaken or abandoned us. He has abandoned us to suffer on our own. Gideon experienced this in his life. The Lord had allowed the Midianites to oppress the people of God because of their disobedience against God. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon at, uh, at Terabinth at Ophrah while Gideon was beating out the wheat. You may remember when we went through Judges. The angel of the Lord came uh, as Gideon was hiding uh, from the Midianites. You know, he was beating out his wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The angel said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. How did Gideon answer? If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And I would imagine maybe sometimes you're asking yourself that question. If the Lord is with me, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? The apostles felt this, didn't they? This hiddenness of God as they made their way at the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember? And a great windstorm arose and threatened to drown them. They were not by themselves. Jesus was with them. But he was asleep in the stand, the Bible tells us. So what did they do? They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Why have you just decided to hide yourself in sleep? We don't just see that in the Bible. This, this, this feeling that God is hidden from us through our church history. We know many people in church history have felt like that. The great reformer Martin Luther experienced periods of darkness in his life that he would hide himself away for many days from people. Once he wrote, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled in all my members. Christ was completely lost to me. The Scottish reformer John Knox once felt so isolated from God that he prayed to God, Lord, receive my spirit and put an end to my miserable life. The great John Knox. I wonder as you sit here this morning, do you recognize something of this feeling in your life? Are you feeling that <clears throat> God is hidden from you? 
You are praying, perhaps, this morning. You know what you are asking God for is not sinful. God, in fact, in his word has encouraged you, bring all your burdens to me. And you are obeying the word of God to bring the burdens to God. You are probably asking God to take away some specific suffering, perhaps a physical suffering or some mental health suffering you are experiencing. Or maybe it's just a suffering of a broken relationship that has gone beyond repair. Or perhaps you're asking God for something you desire positively. You want God to give you, to give your spouse or your child a new heart that loves the Lord Jesus. That's a wonderful thing. Or perhaps you want God to give you more time just to serve him in the life of the church. You, 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 you know you want to serve God more and you want to give your life to serve him. But as you look at your life, you are a mom, you are a worker, you are a mother, and it's just all too much. And you are burdened by that. And you're crying out to God for help, and yet it feels like God is silent to your situation. And slowly you are beginning to feel frustrated at you. You are on the verge of being disappointed with God. And maybe even your non-Christian friends and relatives are now starting to ask you, I thought you said God answers prayer. So where is your God? That hurts, doesn't it? That hurts. Do you recognize some of this in your life? Well, if you do, then this experience of David is here to let you know that you are not alone in your feelings. But you're not sinning by feeling like that. You're not mad. It is normal for suffering in life to make us feel like God has hidden his face from us. And here's the thing we learned when we looked at Exodus 14. We learned that in fact God sometimes does hide his face from us. Shocking. Just as the sun hides its it's, it's, it's sunshine during the night to allow us to enjoy things we can never enjoy, that we can only enjoy at night. There are many good things we can only enjoy at night. And praise the Lord for the sun hiding his face at night. Many pr- plants grow during the night. And just as the sun does that, it hides his face during the night, God sometimes withdraws for our good for a moment. God sometimes drives his people into a helpless situation to humble them. Sometimes it is to deal with sin in us. But it's not always the case. Sometimes it's simply to make us hunger for him more. Now we don't know whether God has deliberately withdrawn from King David We don't know if actually David in verse 1, we can think David isn't describing that, but maybe David is really describing where he's going, what has actually happened. Maybe he's stating a theological truth. We don't know whether God has deliberately withdrawn from King David as we've seen the Lord do to other people in Scripture. We don't know whether that's the case here. Or maybe just David is just feeling that and God hasn't withdrawn. We don't know that. And this is also true for us in our lives. It is often not possible for us to know which is which. Am I just feeling like God 
I'm in this season where God has somehow withdrawn from me, or is God just gently stepping back, like how a parent steps back a little bit from the, trying to help the child to walk, right? The parent steps up a little bit so the, parent, the child could just stand a little bit on the one so the child could cry for the help. It's not always possible for us to, to tell. And the answer is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter which is which. What matters here in this psalm is that our feelings of God hiding from us are normal. That's the emphasis of this psalm. It's the normality of that feeling. And we should not suppress when we feel like that. I emphasize that. We should acknowledge and confess our feelings of feeling distant, as David is doing. You know, Christian counselors, they helpfully remind us that followers of Jesus tend to be disturbed by emotional suffering more than non-believers. That's what they say. That puzzles us, isn't it? That Christians... These are the counselors, Christian counselors say, Christians tend to be more disturbed by emotional suffering than non-believers. Why is that? Well, because many of us who are believers see emotional suffering as a sign of spiritual failure, right? Feeling alarmed is regarded by some as proof you don't trust God. Grief is seen as a failure to rest in God's good purposes. Depression is taken as proof that you have not discovered the joy of the Holy Spirit. So in short, what I'm saying is this. On top of our normal suffering, many of us who are believers are actually burdened by feelings of spiritual guilt, failure, and shame for going through emotional suffering. It's so important you understand that. So, so Christians sometimes experience suffering twice. And as a result, what happens is that we try and repent of suffering emotionally. We just try and shake it off. We work very hard even to hide our suffering from other followers of Christ because we think that if we were to show we are suffering, then well, we are backslidden. And the problem there is that we have swallowed the lies of Satan, haven't we? Because Satan tells us that emotional suffering is in of itself a sin. He says to us we should always be happy, smiling. But this psalm is correcting that. We know how the parts of the Bible corrects the difference between joy and happiness. This psalm specifically says, David is not sinning by saying, I feel God is hidden from me. He's just describing how he feels. Now, to be clear, we can sin with our emotions. We need to understand that. But in this case, it is not a sin. It is actually emotional suffering that David is going through. David is suffering with this feeling of distance from God. And so this morning, as a first application, if you are going through any suffering in your life, and you feel that God is hidden from you, then admit this to God. Tell God like David does. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and, ha- and have sorrow in my heart all the day? 
How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Confess it to God. Because sometimes we feel that God is hidden from us. That is the first truth David is teaching us, isn't it? But you may think, you may think, okay, I get it. But it is all gloomy. What I need really in my suffering is good news for my suffering. Is there any good news here? Well, there is good news, and that is the second truth we learn here, isn't it? The second truth we need to know to deal with suffering is not only that sometimes we feel God is hidden from us. The second truth we need to know is that God cares for us even when we don't feel his care. God is caring for you even though at the moment you don't feel like he is caring for you. Notice that as David comes to the end of his prayer, it takes a dramatic turn. That's why I love the Psalms. You need to follow how they are moving, isn't it? It takes a dramatic turn. The lament of verse 1 to 4 now gives way to a fresh confidence in God. Look at verse 5 to 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David, in these two verses, is affirming two important truths about his life with God, which we also need to affirm. First, he's saying God has steadfast love for his people. The love of God never gets, never quits on those whom God has covenanted with or bound himself to. The love of God is a love that never gives up. It's a love that never quits on his people. And David knows this love. He knows this never quitting love of God is available to him even when he doesn't feel it. That's what he's confessing. Yes, I don't feel it, but I know this love is for me because I'm part of your God, your covenant people. Notice that three times in this psalm he calls God by his covenant name, doesn't he? Did you notice the word Lord there? Three times it's used. In verse 1, in verse 3, and in verse 6. And of course we know the word Lord is Yahweh, isn't it? And we know in the middle of this psalm, the heart of this psalm is that declaration, isn't it? Oh Lord, my God. Oh, oh Yahweh, my God. Where am I going with that? What I'm saying is that in verse 5, when David says, I have trusted in your steadfast love, in your headset, he's saying, Lord, even though I can't feel it, I know your love still speaks for me. I know your love still speaks for me. That's the first thing. He is trusting in the steadfast love of God. The second thing David says here is that God has always cared for him more than he has ever needed. So much that it makes him want to sing. Look at verse 6. Our version doesn't really do justice to this word bountifully. Other versions may bring this out a bit more. Look at that. It says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. In other words, God has dealt bountifully in the sense that he has done more than I've ever needed. He has cared for me. He looked, David is looking back to his life and says, wow, God has always looked after me. David is saying, yes, I feel God has forsaken me. But I know my feeling is not the ultimate reality. Okay? 
he acknowledges his feeling, but he's now bringing his feelings under subjection. He says, I know I feel forsaken by God, but I know my feeling is not the ultimate reality. The reality is that God cares for me at all times. Even when I don't feel his presence. And even if, when God deliberately withdraws from me, I know he's never really gone from me. Because he's bound himself in covenant with me. And I don't just know this as a theological truth. I have experienced it, says David. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so David then says, I am not going to allow my feelings to control me. I won't suppress them. I will acknowledge them, right? Because that's the healthy thing to do. But I won't allow them to control me. I am going to let this truth of the constant love and care of God control how I feel about God. And David here is teaching us an important truth that is so important for us. He's teaching us that no matter how strongly deserted we feel, we must not let our feelings shape our relationship to God. We should confess that we are feeling abandoned by God. And indeed, it may even be true that God for our good has momentarily withdrawn. But we must never stop there. We must then speak the word of God to our feelings. We must surrender our feelings to the truth of God's word. We must remind our feelings that God cares for us even when we do not feel his care. That is what David is doing here and that's what we should do. We should do the same. Now, some of you are not suffering here, I'm sure, and, uh, and you are, this isn't really connecting with you because you're not in that situation of suffering. I understand that. But you need to know this truth because you have people in your life who will suffer tomorrow. And you need to have the capacity to speak to them. And this is what you need to speak to them. You need to remind them to bring their feelings under the authority of the word of God. But how do we know that what is true for David is also true for us? Well, because this God of Israel is now our God through the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Hebrews 1 verse 3 Verse 1 to verse 3 says this, Long ago at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us <coughs> by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The Son, that is Christ, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on earth. <clears throat> well, why, why am I going with that? Well, simply this. If you are trusting in Christ, you are now part of the people of God. The God of David is your God. The son of David, Jesus, is our God. And one of the most wonderful things about Christ that sets apart Christ from anyone who has ever walked this planet is that Christ is fully God and fully man. And as a man, Christ also once felt abandoned by God. 
In fact, Christ didn't just feel abandoned by God. Christ was mysteriously abandoned by his father while he was dying on the cross. We read about it in Mark chapter 15, verse 33 to 34, don't we? And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land (coughs) until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, laman sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It sounds like Psalm 13, doesn't it? How long will you forget me forever? But in fact, it is Psalm 22, verse 1. The Psalms of David are the Psalms of Jesus. We don't know everything about the cry of Christ on the cross. But we know that God deserted Christ on the cross to embrace us. God poured on Christ all our sin. All of its past, present and future. It was transferred from your account to the account of the sinless Son of God. And because God is holy, he couldn't share fellowship with sin. So God momentarily withdrew from Christ as it were. Mysteriously, while maintain, maintaining the unity of the Trinity, God hid his face from Christ. God on the cross treated his precious beloved son, the Lord Jesus, as a sinner in our place. And then God poured on our Lord all the wrath we deserve. On the cross, the Lord drank the cup of God's wrath that we deserve for our sin. Him who has no, had no sin, had our sin imputed on him. Not just our sin, but the very wrath of God for that sin. In other words, instead of God letting his wrath visit you, God the Son gave himself up as a sacrifice that absorbed the eternal wrath (coughs) that was added for you. (coughs) Christ suffered God's wrath in darkness for three hours to make us live in the light of God. He was abandoned by God so that you can be embraced by God. If you have truly repented and surrendered your life to Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have already been embraced by God in Christ. That's the point. God has not just forgiven your sins. He has saved you from the wrath of God. And he is holding you and embracing you in his caring arms forever. God is now for you. His loving eyes are always turned towards you, even in those moments when you feel God is hidden from you. That's the point. As you live in this dark world, God is covering you with his light in Christ. He's now your never-failing friend, your protector, your strength, your helper. He is your ever-present king. He's filling you every day with his grace. He is he, your infinite source of love. Is your burden bearer at all time? He has given you himself to, for, to you in life or in death. He abides with you. 
is with you every second. It sticks by you when you mess up. No matter what life brings. You can say, Oh Lord, my God is with you. This is true for every believer in Christ. He has embraced you forever. By his steadfast love and by his bountiful care. And so in those moments when you feel God is hidden from you, surrender your feelings to the word of truth, the word of God. Remind yourself that God cares for you even when you don't feel it. Because it is true. God has embraced you through the forsaken death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But don't stop there. You must press on to keep trusting God to care for you every day. And that's just the final truth I just want to give you very, very quickly. The final truth there is that we must keep trusting God to care for us. Because this is the main thing we learn from David, isn't it? Verse 5 there. Look at verse 5 again. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. That's David's basic disposition. I have trusted in the past and I'll continue to trust. This psalm is calling us to keep trusting the never quitting love of God for us in Christ. Now the big question is this. How do we do this in practice? How does that look like? Right? Well, what I love about the psalm is this. Just a quick thing about the psalm, right? So, the psalm is wisdom literature, right? That means it's basically applied wisdom. But the psalm is also theological wisdom. So what the psalms do is this. And when you read the psalm, it's very important you just ask yourself these three basic questions. The first thing the psalm is doing, right, when you read it, is it's telling you this is how life is like. So one of the questions you can ask yourself whenever you read it to any psalm is to say, what does this psalm teach me about what life is like? So it's describing like, what is life for a believer like? It describes, right? Question number one. Then, with that, with, that, with, with that of what life is like, we recognize that some of the things we may be feeling and it's describing about us may, needs to be brought in line with the God, God's word. So what the psalm then does is that it asks, what is God like? What does this reveal about the character of God? So that's the second question. And then what the psalm then is doing is, it's challenging us to bring what our life is like and what we feel about life in subjection to the, real, the truth of what God is. It, it brings the truth of God to bring our feelings into subjection. So we learn those three things, what our life is like, what God is like, and then what he demands from us. But it shows us a fourth thing as well. How do we actually do that in practice? All the Psalms do this. And what we do then is we go back to the Psalm and look at it as applied wisdom, because the Psalms are part of the books of wisdom, and ask what can we learn from their example about what trusting God in practice looks like. And the Psalm is doing that here. So we look at David, and what do we learn? Well, we learn three quick things, right? David is teaching us three quick things. The first thing David is teaching us is that we must keep trusting God prayerfully. When we feel God is hidden from us, keep trusting God prayerfully. Because David's first response to his feeling of abandonment is what? He prays. Pray. It seems strange that you and I need to be reminded this morning, you may even think we should surely we should be ending the sermon here. We know we need to pray, but we don't. And so every Sunday we remind you of exactly the things you know already. We live prayerless lives because we are by nature self-reliant. 
And so David here in this psalm says, follow my example. David is saying, don't stop praying when you feel God is hidden from you. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. Keep bringing your prayers to God. Keep uttering those, how long if you need to add it all, just keep uttering them. Keep praying through this psalm. Another part of the Bible. Persevere in prayer. Take moments to pray alone. But you know what? This is a hymn book, the Psalms. Because it's meant to be prayed by God's people. So I think David is saying, don't just pray by yourself. Join in with the people of God to pray. I think the biggest self-arm we do to ourselves is that we have been deluded to think praying by ourselves is enough. There are people God has gifted in the church with a gift of faith. It's there in 1 Corinthians. And when they pray, God hears their prayers in a deeper way, perhaps, when, when you and I pray. We all have access to God, but sometimes people have a special gift in prayer. And you are robbing yourself of that gift which God has deposited in the church by not, A, coming to prayer meetings, and B, not sharing it, your prayers with people. So pray by yourself and learn to share. And you may be gifted with prayer, so get prayer requests from other people, right? Trust God prayerfully, yeah? Secondly, David shows us we must keep trusting God honestly, right? David is honest. He's pouring out his pen to God, and we must do the same. Our prayers must not just be empty words, which we round off, we tend to do Sunday mornings. They must be heartfelt. We must come before God honestly. The church is often like a contest of how well we are doing. (laughs) Actually, it's meant to be the opposite. It's meant to be a deep cry of honesty when we gather like this. To pray out our deepest pains and hearts to God. To weep with one another, isn't it? And when we come to God in our own private terms, we must pray honestly before God. Now, people worry about that. Praying honestly. I worry sometimes praying honestly because you don't want to pray irreverently. Yeah? So what's the solution for that? Well, the solution for that is pray the Psalms. If you're worried about not expressing your feelings in a reverential manner, then use the word of God as a guardrail for how you express your feelings before God. When Christ felt God had hidden his face from him, Christ cried out, Psalm 22 verse 1 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is Psalm 22, verse 1. And you must learn to do the same. Bring your pain before God and use the Bible as a vehicle to channel your emotions. God, of course, already knows our feelings, doesn't he? I should just point out, but praying our feelings out to God actually empties out our feelings. It empties the inner decks of toxic emotional waste, as it were. So that's why we need to pour out our feelings before God. But the final thing I just want to say, we must keep trusting God confidently. David walks by faith. He declares in verse 5, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There is passion there. There is an embrace of God in his words. He's saying, you are mine. I belong to you. I love you. I'm clinging to you in this nightmare. And beloved, isn't this the belief of every child of God? Isn't this the belief of every child of God when we are suffering? That it is not by our enemy that we suffer? That we suffer at the hands of our loving God? That that knife that the Father wields in the moments of affliction is not being wielded by an enemy to kill us, 
But God allows the pen of affliction, the knife of affliction in our hearts, to, as it were, work as a physician who removes the deepest of sins, the deepest of the self-reliance. The Christian's confidence is that it is our Father who wields a knife of suffering, not our enemy. And so we must come to him with confidence, trusting in him as his child. And of course, it means we must first be truly his children, truly be born again. This psalm is not for people who are not trusting in Jesus. It is for those who can say, Oh Lord, my God. And so this morning, make sure you're trusting in him. And if you are trusting in him, well... Apply this psalm to your life. So just quickly to conclude, then we'll sing. What have we learned from this psalm? Well, what does this psalm teach us about how we respond to suffering in our lives? Well, it first of all, it teaches us sometimes we feel God is hidden from us. We must confess how we're feeling. It is not a sin to admit our pain. But we must not stop at our feelings. We must speak to them the truth of the word of God. And the truth is that God cares for us even when we do not feel his care. We must bring our feelings under the subjection of the word of God. And I, and I can go on for a while on this. And I'm not going to go because I'm going to end here. I'm going to travel to Leicester. Um, I'll just say, in our culture more than ever, this is a truth we need to hear. Because we live in a failed culture. That has some good because we don't, we're not robots. But we must learn to bring our feelings under the subjection of the word of God. You are not what you feel. You are who God says you are in his word. And so knowing that God cares for us even when we don't feel his care. Armed with that truth then we must keep on trusting God to care for us. We must keep trusting God prayerfully. Honestly and confidently as his children. Amen.